so thank you so much for this practice and um, and of course next week when we meet we'll be um, continuing on we're going to be integrating these parts with the elements but for tonight we're being joined it's just so wonderful to have my friend at this point Robin McFarland from Cabrillo College the anatomy lab she's a professor and and one of her beloved students who's on her way to become a physician Tufu is joining us and just so delighted to, to have you back. You were here both last year and um, just so grateful that you can be here and um, to offer. Um, it, when we didn't have the pandemic, we would actually go to the anatomy lab. We've been going there for many, many years. And, and last year, of course, we couldn't go in this year as well. And I'm just so grateful that that Robin and Tofu, Tofu came and were able to, to offer um, an experience of the anatomy lab. And uh, I trust that you will get um, some of the feeling that they, they will offer us here of the love and the mystery and the awe of the human body. I also want to, before I just turn it over to them, just uh, welcome a few folks. It's 4.30 in the mon morning in Germany and Austria, and I'm concurrently teaching a class there. Uh, and I believe, um, I see Brigitte is here, and there might be some others that I'm not yet seeing because there's a lot of people on the screen, but that there's some people that, that are also joining us from another part of the world. And, of course, our friends in China are here with us. But it, the, the hours work out good for our friends in China because it's tomorrow morning there where in um, Germany it's actually 4.30 in the morning. And so, but anyways, we have an international community here. And um, thank you so much, Robin. I, I've, I've made you a co-host if you wanted to use the, share the screen for anything. And, um, oh, just thank you so much. I just can't tell you how much thanks I feel for, for you being here tonight and supporting us through these years with the practice. So thank you. Well, I can't tell you how delighted I am to be here. My, um, yeah, okay, great. So I, can you guys hear me okay? I am so happy to be here uh, with Tufu as well. Um, so like Bob said, I um, teach anatomy and physiology at Cabrillo College, and it has been my absolute pleasure to meet with this group for I'm not even certain how many years now. And I'm sorry that we can't be together in person in the anatomy lab because it's such a wonderful experience, but I'm grateful that we can be here tonight to talk to you a little bit about connecting to this practice. And it's always such an honor for us. And before I go on, uh, Tufu, I'm going to turn it over to you for a moment and um, you can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about why you're here too. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Tufu. Um, I actually got into this because Dr. McFarland was kind enough and generous enough to ask me to help out. And it is something that I love doing. Um, I love meeting new people. And I love hearing the different perspectives that you bring to this table. Because as students, we don't always have the same mindset. It's usually just go, 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 figure this out, learn this and 
um, we don't often take the time to slow down and really think about things. And so that's something that I really enjoy when um, I get to be part of this group. So uh, I know when we when we go into the lab with with Bob, usually uh, we talk just a little bit about what this means to students to work with human cadavers. And so we're so privileged at Cabrillo to have donors um, who have have given their bodies uh, for either research or teaching. And um, for for the students, it, it and for myself too, I've realized this so much over the years. Like Tufu said, when you go into an anatomy lab as a student, typically you're presented with um, a body and it's just objectified. It's very much you're supposed to find certain structures and memorize them and name them and, you know, understand that part of it. But one of the things that we have found is that there is a profound connection with death and with thinking about how we live our lives and the, the variation in our lives. And um, so Tufu and I wanted to share a little bit of that with you, even though we're virtual tonight. So, um, and so we're gonna share a PowerPoint that we prepared um, for you. And um, so again, I'm just so grateful to Tufu for, um, for participating with me. Uh, in in offering this to you, and obviously this is not a lecture. You you don't have to memorize everything that we tell you. I'm not going to even test you on it at the end. Um, but I do. I hope that you jump in and ask questions as you wish. And Tufu's going to jump in too. Um, just wanted to start with a tiny bit of contextualization for us. This is our approach to, I mean, these are old, right? But this is the approach to anatomy and the study of the parts of the body has been a practice for a long time in, in medicine, particularly. So I, I really, I consider myself to be an anatomist. That's what I studied. I um, dissected I, humans, but also Hi, Robin. We, 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 if you pause for Did a minute, you lose though, me? we lost you for, you just began and then we lost you. So, Tufu? Yeah. Tufu, I'm going to, I just made you the co-host. I don't know if you have a copy of the PowerPoint and I, of course, I have no idea whether you want to take that on, but it seems like uh, Robin has, oh, she's just dropped off. So maybe she'll call back in and it will work. All right. Tufu, did you take over? No, it's not letting me uh, open the slideshow. So I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find it somewhere else. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, this is the um, this is the reality of the pandemic, is it not? So I'm so <laughs> sorry that I fell off. Um, and I uh, actually opened this in another computer, which does not have the PowerPoint on it. Um, <laughs> but I can get it. <laughs> And I just had my first, I, I want to tell you something that's totally unrelated. 
I just had my first face-to-face -face lecture today at Cabrillo for the first time in two years. I have not even been uh, hardly to my office since March of 2020. And it was just so wonderful to actually be with students. And we will have our first uh, cadaver lab um, next week with the students. So they have not been in the lab for two wow. years. Wow. Um, so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing what we have been able to do. So Tufu, I take it you're not um, able to open that yet? I am, here we go. Oh my gosh, Tufu is a miracle worker, of course. <laughs> And I gave, I made her a co-host, so I think that she can That's do fantastic. the screen share. We'll just let her do all the work. That's what I love. <laughs> we, we're all going, going with her. <laughs> well, she's awesome and can definitely lead any kind of discussion. Um, but I, Tufu, can I talk while you're uh, getting that? Yes, so, oh, great. Yay. Oh my gosh, you are so fantastic. Um, so we were just talking about how anatomy is studied and I think you can go beyond this too, Fu. Let's get into okay. the real stuff. Anatomy lab, this is kind of what it looks like. Tufu, can you talk about your experiences a little bit with this? I would love to. So anatomy lab as a student coming in was a little daunting um, because you don't really know what to expect. You know that there's a cadaver there, but you don't know what they look like. And as a student, when you're coming in, you're kind of just compartmentalizing everything um, in the sense that you are not particularly thinking of the cadaver as a person. Um, you're just trying to get in and learn what you need to learn for your exams and get out. And uh, one of the things that is so amazing about the lab is that you find, I guess, the greatest friends there because you have this bond and they offer a different perspective to the cadavers than maybe what you had. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, but it, it's definitely a wonderful shared space with um, other people. And it is an incredible learning experience, especially if you get the chance to be in there and to really, really get to know the different parts of the body and kind of apply what you're learning to your own life and uh, to yourself. Yeah, go ahead to the next slide. So we start with the skin, um, as you can see, and uh, the skin um, has its own texture and layers. And uh, it's very interesting to have the tactile experience. Tufu, go ahead. I wanted to, oh. yeah, we wanted to just show you from um, a very deep perspective what the skin looks like. So the image on the left is a, a regular um, microscope that you might use in a laboratory that shows the microscopic structure of the layers of the skin from the top um, down to the bottom. These are dead cells at the top that have those qualities that Bob talked about. They give you, it's called the integumentary system because it really is 
It has integrity. It, it, it holds you together. And this is an even more um, in-depth view with an electron microscope that shows the outer surface of the skin with these dead cells that have accumulated a lot of hard proteins that keep the moisture in and that protect you, it forms a barrier. And then this lovely underneath part um, that you can see. Tufu, go for it. So one of the parts that you think about is flesh, sinew, or some of the parts that you think about are flesh, sinew, and bones as we um, chanted and meditated on earlier. This is really about movement. That's what I think of when I think of flesh, sinew, and bones. Um, this is uh, the combination of the three really allow for um, our ability to move around our environment. So flesh is uh, such, is like our skeletal muscles uh, that hang on our bones. And then the sinew is the tissue that connects them together. So go ahead, Tufu, if you don't mind. So the tendons, for example, that connect the muscle to bone are sinew. Um, and that is made out of primarily, look at how white and beautiful it is. It really is a shiny, lovely texture, um, smooth. This is what it looks like under the microscope. It's very well organized and tight. And this is what it looks like in the, uh, under the electron microscope under really high magnification. What you're looking at is threads of collagen. So the collagen is white in color. It is a protein and it gives it this amazing strength that you can feel if you touch the back of your heel and feel your Achilles tendon. That's what you're feeling. Tufu? And take it away, Tufu. Go ahead, talk about <laughs> muscles. Flesh muscles. So the muscles, we um, as students have to learn a lot of these muscles. Um, and it is just insane how different they look on different cadavers. Um, a lot of the time we have older folks who are the donators and um, their muscles are not as big or um, as utilized, I guess, as you could say, as some of the other uh, cadavers. And um, once we get to the muscles, it is insane to see and to actually understand how they work. Uh, sorry. I love these photos. Um, so in the upper left-hand corner, you can see kind of what we would see in a lecture on a slide, and it would break down the muscles um, down to the molecular level. And uh, on the right-hand side, that would be the bundle of muscles and you can see the actual fibers, which is to me is so exciting. I love that. <laughs> and then on the very bottom, you can see the muscle fiber which with is the protein. Yeah, yeah. I think it's beautiful how the shapes um, mirror each other or reflect each other. So a whole muscle, at, like your biceps breaking mm -hmm. up has that round shape and then the muscle cells 
or fibers are packaged um, and they themselves are little string-like tubes. And then each cell within has ropey um, structures that are actually very precisely arranged and beautiful when you look at them too, I think. Mm -hmm. Boom. So let's see, I have my friend behind me. This is Henry, who has been my companion through the pandemic. Uh, but we focus a lot on the skeleton, again, for uh, its support of structures of soft tissues of the body, for its importance in determining our movement and function. So fresh bone has bone marrow and um, looks beautiful. And then if you look at the microscopic structure of it, it has, I think, profound beauty. Um, these circles are cross sections like trees. If you look at a big bone like the femur, the hard outer portion of that is made out of these columns of, um, of elongated, uh, they really are like tree trunks. And you can see that they're arranged in rings microscopically. And those rings are composed of bone mineral, primarily calcium phosphate. And uh, they are structured on a scaffolding of collagen. Again, that protein that is produced by the cells in your body that ultimately produces beautiful structure that enables you to bear weight and to stand up and to have the strength to do all the things that we do every day. Um, is that spoon, is that where it was like you digging digging out the bone marrow that was inside there in the hollow absolutely. area? So, um, and the bone marrow in a, this is actually um, a, a cow bone, not human. Um, but the bone marrow in a young animal, if you cut this open, it would be red. And as the animal ages, like in, in us as adults, that bone marrow would be yellow fat. Mm -hmm. um, and, and is the whole, like, I love that there's like a tree ring in that center, that's where the bone marrow would be in that, that hollow area? You know, this is so small that what you're looking at here, this is under the um, microscope. Okay. And so these, there would be um, probably tens of thousands of these teeny little columns that we can see the cross-section of here, they would be running up and down the side here. So it's a little hard to imagine, but these would be, um, there would be literally thousands of these that would be this, the, the basic structure um, that forms this hard covering around the marrow cavity. So these are teeny, teeny, tiny. So what runs in this hole is actually blood vessels, little tiny blood vessels and nerves. Oh. It's well supplied with nerves. You know how, how much it hurts if you, you know, kick your shin bone or break a bone. Tufu, go for it. Yeah, so go ahead and talk about what it's like to crack open a chest and look inside. So cracking open a chest is definitely an experience. Um, 
you see a lot of different organs and you see a lot of variation um, within those organs. You might see a larger heart in one person. You might see a smaller heart in another. Um, you might find the lungs a little bit hardened in one. You might find that lungs are uh, severely black from smoking. And uh, the blood vessels usually are relatively the same. They just might vary in size. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very different from person to person. This um, rounded area that you see here is the diaphragm, which is skeletal muscle. So that's actually muscle tissue. And then this is lungs that have been cut so that you can see inside them. And this is where the heart would be and those enormous vessels on top of it. Um, you know, I have one other question because you okay. prompt my curiosity when you when you asked about cracking open so i've actually been with you one time when you actually did get out the saw and 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 cutting open uh, the body which is quite remarkable like you know for those of you that go to the, the workshop you got a handsaw and, and, and there's a medical handsaw a medical saw and i'm just curious as an anatomist like your first few times like what was it like cutting into a human being even though of course this human being is dead it's still like that's quite a, a thing to do to cut into a body and I don't know if you recall like your first few times like how, how was that um I I think it's a wonderful question that I've thought about actually quite a lot I probably have dissected over 50 humans and um I remember my first one very vividly where I got to take um, medical school anatomy at University of Washington. And we worked in a group of four and we had a male cadaver and we were instructed to dissect it. And we were just students. I mean, you know, and um, I never had seen a dead body before. And uh, so, um, you know, we, we, as Tufu said, you need to get that grade. And so we just kind of dove in and you, you gently take your scalpel and make a cut from the bottom of the throat to the umbilicus to the belly button and around it. And then um, what we did was after we, re after we peeled back the skin is you, um, we, we actually use, this sounds terrible, but we actually use usually garden shears um, to um, remove, to cut through the ribs. The experience is very emotional always. I don't think we talk about it very much, but it is, um, you know, it is a person who had a life and, um, and it, I, I get to know their insides better than their than their wives and husbands and the people who love them. Yeah. Um, so it, and to, to feel their heart or to remove a brain is, um, uh, I think a profound experience to food. It is. Uh, cracking open a chest is, for me, my first time was very scary. Um, probably because my human reaction was just, oh my gosh, it's a person, I have to be gentle. 
even though they are not with us and they're not inhabiting that body, but it's it's still a person and it's still something that I was like, oh no, I, I can't do this. This is, it's a little much. Um, but it was definitely um, a wonderful experience because I got to share that with my best friend, Jackie. And uh, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, it took us a little bit of time to kind of work through our emotions to get to it. But other than that, I, I think it was, it was definitely a, a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing firsthand and yeah, yeah. Thank you. It gives you a sense of fragility too. People's ribs, ribs are fragile. I'm gonna say that they're fragile. <laughs> Age doesn't correlate with fragility. So. Mm -hmm. So hearts are another beautiful part of the of the body. I think they are also, as Tufu mentioned, so varied depending on the age of the person, their state of health. We've seen hearts that are so large that you would swear that they were um, beef hearts, but they're people who had congestive heart failure. Um, there are strings, there are really heart strings that you can tug. Um, so um, there are, um, there's a lot of beauty in the heart. This is a heart muscle cell. So the cells have their, um, their own structure that provide the function of the beating. And the structures I think are very beautiful. So. Abdomen. So you talked about the small intestine and the large intestine. So this um, is a good diagram, I think, in that it shows that the large intestine really forms this um, protective wall around the intestine, around the abdomen. I think it, it begins right above your right, right where your right hip bone is, um, is where this large intestine begins. And then it curves up the side of the abdomen across down and then out, of course, the, the rectum and the anus. And nestled in those folds is the small intestine. So in this picture of a real cadaver, what you're looking at is the liver right here. This is an enlarged gallbladder. So this um, darkish green thing is the gallbladder. This is the stomach. Stomachs are enormously variable. Uh, so they're not shaped usually like you see in a book. Um, and then you, I think this is the diaphragm peaking, I mean, the darn pancreas peaking out right here. And then this would be the large intestine. Um, so there's a lot going on in the abdomen. Uh, and then these are, these string-like things are blood vessels. brain. This is a hemisected or dissected head. So this shows half of a real um, cadaver head. So big, big, big tongue right here, which is also made out of skeletal muscle. Um, this is the spinal cord. This is the brain nestled in the skull. 
And when you take it out, it looks like this. You can, um, you know, cut the brain in half. These are some of the cells that are in the brain. Um, so uh, it's amazing to hold this in your hand and to think that it is where our thoughts and, um, and feelings are too. Yeah, so this, these are the cells right here. I'm, I appreciate the questions in the chat too. These are the cells. This is a whole brain, it's upside down. So this part of the brain right here is called the cerebellum. So this would actually point toward the floor. Um, this is also looking at the underside of the brain. So this is right here where the spinal cord comes out. You know, if I could pause for a second, maybe yeah. Tufu could use her cursor to maybe point where. Oh, you I, you can't see my cursor. No, but oh. I think. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So Tufu, yeah, just why don't you point out stuff? You're better than I am anyway. I'll answer some of the things in the chat. Okay, let me see if I can even find my cursor. <laughs> um, Usually just use your finger and and if you can see the little hand on the screen or the arrow, they can see it too. Uh, let me see here. I cannot find my cursor. That's okay. We... Um, But I, I was going to answer your question um, about skeletal muscle. Skeletal muscle is the type of organ or tissue that you have in your, um, if, when you, uh, like your biceps brachii, that's skeletal muscle. So you also have that big skeletal muscle between your abdomen and your chest, which is the diaphragm, which allows you to breathe. And the tongue um, really is much larger than you might think. Um, so uh, it also is mainly skeletal muscle for movement. So Tufu, I don't, I don't, yeah. And then, um, this is thinking about fat. I really like fat. Now I have to tell you that. Um, so I think fat is amazing. It's beautiful. We humans have the ability to accumulate a lot of fat. We can, um, we, we, that's one of our adaptations. We have fat under our skin. Um, it glistens. It's a lovely color often. Um, and I, I have always been really interested in fat. That's what my PhD dissertation was on, was female body fat and why, why women are so fat. And um, I think it's a great thing. So, um, so this shows you some of the, um, the two food, go back to the fat, just if you don't mind. Did we, but... Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I love, you know, the fat to me is rather interesting. So, um, so I'm interested in the cellular aspects of fat and what you can see in the, um, uh, 
you know, in the underneath. And I so put you on the spot to move by (laughs) having technical problems. I'm sorry. But, um, but you can see uh, a lot of variation in individuals and variation from place to place in the fat. So I take it you can't go back. I am going back, but I can't find my little screen share thing. <laughs> I'm, let's see. Well, you're sharing your screen, so we can still, yeah, there you go. Brilliant. Okay. So what, what this shows is not only the fat around the intestines, so you can see the label for the intestines up there. So that's the small intestine. And then the bottom picture is actual fat cells that are surrounded um, by by a protein kind of network that that holds them in place. So those globular cells are full of lipid. I know, you know, women are programmed to hate fat. And I think the reason that I became interested in fat was for the reasons that probably all of us are. It's a social issue and emotional issue, but also I was interested in, in really why humans vary in fat and why humans have more fat than non-human primates and particularly human women have the ability to accumulate fat. And one of the things that, that we have found is that women have more fat because it supports their reproductive, um, you know, their massive energetic um, demands of reproduction. So, uh, and humans, because we have such immature little beasts um, who, who need so much care. I mean, hunter-gatherer women lactate for and nurse their babies for like three to five years. So they need that fat. Um, and, and of course, in our modern society, we just have so much access to food that fat is now um, a problem for us. But I still think it has a lot of magic qualities. Um, so Tufu then um, showed us the other slides that we, yeah, blood, sweat, and tears. So blood is a magic also ingredient. Um, so we showed you kind of a typical picture of a person with a circulatory system with the blood vessels, and then the blood runs in those hoses, and that's an electron microscope image of red blood cells that have been caught in a net of proteins that is a blood clot that protects you from losing too much. And Tufu, feel free to jump in as I, you have anything to say about sweat sweat so I before taking human anatomy I didn't really know anything about sweat but I was pleasantly surprised to learn that it is a cooling mechanism for your body Uh, especially if you have just overworked your body and the exertion is just so much it it's there's actually a purpose for it other than making you look bad sometimes (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very interesting and it's not exactly something that a lot of folks like to talk about. 
but I think it, it's definitely something that we should know as humans, as students. So the image on the right, the H um, is looking, the HF stands for hair follicle, but this is again a microscopic picture. So this is the landscape underneath the surface of the skin that you can barely see or that you really can't see without the help of a microscope. And I always think it's really fascinating to see the intricacies of the cells and the cell products that create this thing that we can touch and um, feel. So you can see where it says sweat, those are the sweat glands and the cells produce the sweat. So they actually produce little droplets of perspiration, which then are exported from the cell and gotten to the surface of the skin. Um, and then, uh, you know, we just, we feel so fortunate to have the ability to think about these things as much as we do. Our lives, I mean, Tufu works at, you work at Sutter. Correct. And um, studies this stuff. And I think I eat, breathe and live anatomy and physiology. Um, and I am really grateful to have the opportunity to work with the donors, the cadavers. And then of course, I am grateful to come and be able to talk to you in a really different context than we normally get to. And I'm so grateful to you, Bob, for um, having us again. And, you know, we don't wanna bore you with, um, a bunch of stuff. So I, I would love to answer any questions that you have or hear any comments or thoughts that you have. One question in the chat is why are the cadavers brown? I'm not sure um, in the pictures why they were brown. They tend to be a little bit gray in color when we get them. That is for two reasons. It's because they're in preservative. So they are in uh, formaldehyde solution um, that, and they're dead. And so they don't have any pink color because the blood is no longer in the vessels. So I'd say two reasons. And then there's variation in skin color. Yeah, and um, thank you. So Robin's offering an invitation if you want to raise something in chat or if you want to raise your hand and you can so, a shout out i mean a shout out yes uh, bob you can shout out too thank you i have and i <laughs> I, and I will <laughs> i saw there was a question in there about what what is it that creates the odor with sweating because it's interesting certain areas of sweat there's no odor but in other areas like the groin or the armpit or feet that can be very smelly but then again like if you're sweating in the other parts of the body, there's not any. They don't smell. There are different kinds of sweat glands. So the, the glands that produce the perspiration are all over your body. Um, so those are especially concentrated on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. And they don't produce an odorous um, secretion. But they, there are glands that are called apocrine glands that are the sweat glands in the armpits and the groin 
for example, and those are become activated at puberty under the influence of hormones and they produce an oily, you were talking about grease, they produce an oily secretion that becomes infused with bacteria. So it's the bacteria that stink um, uh, and different people have varying numbers of the apocrine glands. So um, it's, it's not uniform, but it's associated, probably the function of it is associated with um, sexual attraction. So there are ingredients in that, um, in that greasy stuff that make us do, you know, tailspins and flip our stomach and all that sort of thing that we feel when we're attracted to someone. The vagus nerve. Um, so the, uh, the question is, can you say something about the nervous system interested specifically in where the vagus nerve is? The vagus nerve is one of my favorites. Um, you can actually see it. It is a cranial nerve, which means that it um, connects to the brain. It connects to the medulla oblongata, which is a lower part of the brain. And you can see it as a piece of little spaghetti-like string that runs right along the carotid artery. So it runs with that artery in the throat and you can dissect it down into the um, chest. It runs with the blood vessels and then it begins to branch off and little branches of it go to the heart and then all the way down into the abdomen. Two-way street, there are sensory uh, uh, neurons or nerve cells that carry information to the brain about such things, blood pressure. Um, and then there are, uh, of course, commands that come down through the vagus nerve to affect your heart rate, your digestion, um, all kinds of things. So the vagus nerve, vag, V-A-G, is the root word, same root word is like vagabond. It means wanderer, wanderer, because it wanders so far through the body. So, um, so I'm glad that you, Andrea, had the opportunity to work with cadavers and that you honored them so much. That's really, we, um, you know, Tufu touched on this, but it's such a special, experience to work with people and we get very close and there's a lot of love in the anatomy lab. Um, so um, sweat um, is not produced after the cadaver comes to us. So it, it no longer produces the sweat. And I love that you ask what is done with the bodies after they've been dissected. UCSF is very careful and respectful of the donors that they receive. So they prepare them and then they bring them to us. And then after we have finished with them, and sometimes we keep them for a few years to demonstrate things to students. After we're finished with them, we put all their parts back together as much as we can. And then they're taken back to UCSF, they cremate them and the ashes are sprinkled under the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, so it's a very um, lovely, um, lovely thing. Their families do not get them back. 
So we honor them and say goodbye to them too. Uh, and usually in the spring, we have an honoring ceremony. I am so grateful to you that you're donating um, your body to science. Uh, it, it will mean a great deal to people. Uh, it's a gift that is beyond measure. So um, it means a lot and it's lovely that want to do that. So. Um, yeah, we had a person that um, Robin knows that her name was Nancy and she was part of, she was actually was at the very beginning with the 32 parts of the body um, taking the class year after year and went to the anatomy lab and that's where she decided I'm going to donate my body and um, I believe that Robin you helped her with some of the direction and guidance of that. You know I um, still have uh, letters from Nancy that I keep um, in my office and it really touches my heart because she wrote me thank you notes after the visits that you made and um, then she decided to donate her body. And, and when she died, her body went to UCSF. And um, I mean, she didn't come to Cabrillo uh, after that, but I, I know that her spirit helped many people um, after, after she died and her body. So I'm, I'm glad that that you have the questions you do. Thank you. We never know the names of the people. So the, the information that we get about the cadavers is we do get their professions. Um, so right now I'm um, dissecting a gentleman who was a truck driver, which makes me feel glad for some reason. And um, uh, we um, know how old they were when they passed away. And we, um, we get information about, a little bit of information about their health history. And then some of it we can, um, we are like detectives. So when we go through their parts, we can figure out a little bit about their lives and what they um, experienced. Um, we do know how they died. We get their cause of death. So very, very interesting to me anyway. Yeah, and, and I just feel honored to do that work and to share it with students. Um, aren't I lucky to, to work with people like Tufu? So Yeah, there's still stuff in their stomachs. There's still stuff in their large intestine. So we try to be very careful with that. Um, so they're intact. They are whole, whole people. Sometimes we get medical devices um, that are still in them. The, when a person um, decides to donate their body, they are taken to UCSF and they um, put them in a preserving fluid and they're very, as I say, they're very respectful. They really take this work seriously, but they put them in um, the solution in a big plastic bag in a container and they keep them for about um, six to eight months. 
um, depending on how many schools want the cadavers. And then we, we, they typically have been um, passed away for maybe six to eight months by the time we get them. So, and, and I don't know about Tufu or Bob who has visited the labs many times, but it does make you think about death and it does remove some of the fear for me. Um, I, I don't mind, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of death. I'm more concerned about what might come before it. Um, so I'd prefer to live, I don't know if any of you know what naked mole rats are. They're little rodents who live really long lives and they've studied them a lot in aging, but they live for like 30 years and they're really healthy as they age and then they just decline and die. And that's what I want to happen to me. I want to live like a naked mole rat. I want to. <laughs> I don't like the pancreas. So the question in the chat is, do we have a favorite body part? I, the pancreas is such a cruddy little organ. It's, it's really not very appealing um, to me. So Tufu, how about you? What's your favorite or least favorite? Uh, my favorite would be the brain. Uh, you touched on this earlier, but it's, it's special to hold a person's brain in your hand. And that brain has held every thought, every memory, every, everything. It's that person's whole life in your hands, essentially. Um, so that's why I love the brain. Bob, what about you? What stuck with you after you visited the lab? <laughs> Um, um, oh, I think just the, the awe of being with, with a body that has died and, and then the, the cutting of it open and seeing the inside. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, this, I mean, I, so I'm just filled with wonder with it all. I, I have the residual feeling not only of of the, the, the smell is quite powerful with the formaldehyde, but sometimes I know that the bodies are there for, for quite a while. And so there's a, a little bit of decomposition smell too. And so it, it's, a, it's a full experience. Not only you're seeing it, you're feeling it, you're smelling it. Um, and then some of, I remember one time in the anatomy lab, just looking at a piece of muscle and, and, and there was almost like this one, like this is when I, I'm I actually, I'm a vegan now, but there was a point where like, this was before I was a vegan, like, oh, maybe I should like, look like a piece of chicken. I want to like put it in my mouth, but now I wouldn't, I didn't do that. But it was just amazing, like, you know, well, chicken, what people eat chicken meat, it, it's muscle. And it's like the same muscle. And so it's, it's something just kind of just striking to me, the, this body. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told anyone that before. So, but this this company and everything is all right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so the bodies don't make sounds. I I sometimes dissect by myself, and I do get a little freaked out occasionally if I'm in there by myself, especially at night. I remember I thought that one of them made. I thought one of them moved. I mean, I I I know it was my imagination, but I I just saw some movement out of the side of my eye, and I was all alone. And I remember running out to the building. Nobody heard me, so I was like screaming ah. <laughs> 
but usually I don't get freaked out. So, but it is a full experience. I like how you said that. It's a smell, it's a touch, it's a emotional, it's loving, it's um, it's really frightening, uh, but real. It's real. I there's nothing like having your elbows up to your up to gut guts up to elbows I don't know what the saying would be but it's um an interesting experience and it makes you aware it makes you feel like you want to be alive um you know and after after you see all that fat on people sometimes I eat salads or vegan or whatever for a few days but then I revert to my usual habits (laughs) but I have dreamed, Um, man, you asked this question, how does this affect your dreams? I have dreamed that I am swimming through um, blood vessels and skeletal muscles. Um, So, Tufu, you can answer the last question. Do you have the chance to observe open surgery for bodies that are more recently? Um, So I have actually gotten the chance to observe open surgeries. I've been able to watch um, a hernia repair, a total knee replacement, a forefoot amputation. Um, I haven't gotten the chance to watch um, an ileostomy, which is something that I kind of want to watch just because you're in the guts and you're watching, you're trying to find the parts that are dead or the dead part of the Ilium, and then they anastomose it or they put it all back together. And I just, I don't know, there's something about it that I just want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I once had the opportunity to, uh, a friend of mine is a physician at El Camino Hospital in Mountain View, and he brought me to see uh, an autopsy of a person that had just died. And, and that was very, very powerful to see a fresh body. But, um, yeah, so I'll just I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What else? Other questions or comments? Feel free. Rare opportunity. Do I imagine what my insights look like? Sometimes I I enjoy anatomy a lot. Uh, so I like thinking about how my body is working when I do movement. I like to run. I like to exercise, and it makes me happy. To, it makes me grateful, actually, that I can do things with my body. I'm grateful to my body. I had two kids. Um, you know, what a miracle to be able to give birth and have all that stuff smushed around inside you and uh, to exercise and move. Um, so, yeah, I do appreciate that. Tufu worked a lot with students in the laboratory, and I think they express their fear to you more than to me. Um, but I think it's common. It is. They're nervous about the cadavers and death. Yes, and I think that also ties in with the fact that we service students of all walks of life, and so their life experiences are different from everyone else's. And um, what they've lived through could impact how they perceive the cadaver, what their learning style is gonna be like in the lab as well. And their culture, Mm -hmm. religion, 
and uh, a lot of things are wrapped up in it. Many years ago, my wife, she was a hospice chaplain, trained as a chaplain, and part of her education, she was at UCSF doing a, a chaplaincy training there, but, but the, their assignment was to go to the anatomy lab for first-year medical students and provide pastoral support for students for their very first time cutting open into the bodies, and that was very, very important, because yeah, there's people that definitely can get really freaked out and even maybe stop medical school because of it. And so getting that emotional, spiritual, psychological support can be so helpful because it is like, you know, that question I asked earlier, like, what was it like the first time you, you know, getting that scalpel and, and doing that long cut or cut, you know, cutting off the top of a head or all the things that, you know, you're doing to crack open the ribs is huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I go back to the question? Does your work make you more aware of body functions such as eating? Absolutely. How, Tufu? Um, I feel like just going through the cadavers, um, kind of learning about their lifestyle as they were living, it kind of makes you think about what you are doing in your life. And, you know, I mean, a cirrhosis liver kind of makes you want to stop drinking. Um, and all the adipose that you might find on a cadaver makes you conscious of your eating habits, whether or not you should be eating something or whether or not you can indulge every once in a while. Uh, and also your movement, because you touched on this movement is so important for people. And if you're not moving, you're... You're letting your body just wither away. Yeah, movement is really, really important, you realize. I love um, all of these questions. So Elizabeth has a question, how is it that the heart does not fatigue? That is a big question, but I'll say just a couple of things. One is that the cells, which are the heart is made mostly of muscle cells so that it's it's heart muscle cells those cells really rely a lot on oxygen uh, to produce atp and that's one of the reasons that they're so vulnerable to disease so there are only two blood vessels that supply the heart you've got two carotid arteries a left carotid artery and a right carotid artery if those get blocked, then those cells don't get oxygen and they die and that's a heart attack. So they don't fatigue like your skeletal muscle cells, the ones that are like in your quadriceps or your biceps or what have you. Those can rely a little bit more on less oxygen, on anaerobic um, production of, of energy, but your heart really requires a lot of oxygen to make it fatigue resistant. So um, it's really interesting because it really relates to our susceptibility and our vulnerability to, to heart disease. So we do see um, evidence of arthritis on bones. So you can see in people who are um, typically a little older that they have 
little um, little bone spurs and little abnormalities on the bone. I love that your instructor allowed your um, daughter to come to lab. Um, I, I used to take my, um, well, I took my children uh, and my nieces and nephews and, you know, I think it's important. They, they don't do anatomy. <laughs> I think you have your hand raised. I want to say uh, some words. My English is not good and I'm better in speaking and writing. And I want to say uh, I'm so thankful. Um, it's great to, to see you. Uh, it was a, a, a back journey in my life. 40 years ago, I did two semester medicine and I was in the anatomy but uh, I haven't been there with my heart I only was busy with doing things and and it is so great to, to see what you have for what love, love there is in, in your heart and I'm so touched yes. I did it only in a busy way then I changed I I did um, I do not I do not, do not know to say how it in English. I was um, medicine analytic. Oh yeah. But I also did the things very correct and not so so heartful. And then I I changed my uh, my job, and I worked in a in a hospital. The the last time of my working time only to do, do, do visit people and to take care but it's so great to uh, to meet people how can do a good job in the medicine and also be connected also with deaf people and I say a, a great thank you. thank you thank you you have a lovely voice so thank you for, and thank you for saying the things you did. Um, I, I, I relate to that busyness and just focusing on learning the parts without the heart. But I'm grateful that we bring a lot of joy and we try to bring a lot of joy and love mm -hmm. to, our, to our work. And we haven't been supported in this way to, to be careful and to be, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I love um, the question, is it possible to audit our classes? Not during the pandemic. Um, so we're pretty, even though today was our first class face-to-face, -face, we're not allowed to bring in any guests. But someday, Bob, we'll be back. Yeah. Looking forward. <laughs> so are you um, willing, do you want me to answer these questions? Um, is it motion that helps generate synovial fluid? Bob actually talked about this a little bit when he talked about the um, fluid in the joints. So there is a layer of cells that actually produce the fluid 
um, that then is uh, in those joint cavities and it is like egg white. Um, so it's pretty <sighs> amazing. And then how do muscles enlarge? Absolutely, you've got it, Deb. Um, the cells actually expand. Um, so typically if you accumulate fat, um, it's because the cells have gotten bigger, not because they reproduce themselves during cell division. So, and muscle cells, like you said, do that too. You don't, you're basically, you have the same number of muscle cells that you did when you were a child, but you can get bigger muscles, right? By exercising. And that's because the muscle cells actually get bigger. So they accumulate protein that fat cells accumulate lipid and get really big. So anything else? I'm, I'm just so grateful that we got to come. Tufu, do you have anything to add? Um, you want to answer the bladder question? Oh, the bladders are not full. <gasps> they most certainly are not. <laughs> they really get flattened in our cadavers. So they lose the fluid and um, they are flat against the hip bone, actually. You can really feel them, how muscular they are. Muscles get stronger because they accumulate the protein within those cells. So they make more connections at a molecular level that allow that stronger movement. And it's pretty, I love that. Um, I'm sure that there is still saliva in the mouth of the cadavers, but I try not to look too much at that. Do you? I don't. <laughs> I have my limits. <laughs> and then I cut you off, Tupu. You were going to say something profound. Oh, no, I was not. I was going to say that I, I do not look at the saliva or the mouth at all. <laughs> oh, it's interesting um, you know in the 32 parts to the body practice it's so interesting there is the definition function this is just what the part does but then we have this whole overlay with our conditioning oh this is a thing we like or this is a thing that's gross it's so, it's so interesting yet every one of these and many more are also intrinsic to keeping this body going but it's so interesting with our conditioning how some are like mmm some are like yuck and and it's all the reflection of our conditioning which is really interesting in this juxtaposition between our personal conditioning and then this is just what it is just like there's a carburetor there's brakes there's a fender there's this you know we call it a car but you know so it's interesting this interplay between the personal and the impersonal that we're exploring because yes our cultural conditioning and the woundedness that we live in our lives and it all interact within this body of the, of the the storehouse of our experience and so we're investigating all of this the physical the mental the emotional and what conditioning we bring to things so it's really very interesting i agree I agree. And it is interesting. I mean, I have colleagues who can do anything, you know, they're not bothered by anything. And I, I, there are certain things that make me go wretch in the corner um, occasionally. So <laughs> terrible thing to admit. Um, so the students 
Um, do not do most of the dissection. We actually do most of the dissection as instructors. And the face is very difficult to dissect both emotionally and just because it's so intricate. Um, the hands are really, so they embody the person. Uh, students often, I think, um, feel emotional when they see the hands. Um, we often cover the faces, especially in the initial um, encounters between students and the cadavers. And we don't want to, um, don't want to do everything at once. It's a, it's a powerful thing. Uh, is there a prayer or something that is said before and after each time to honor the body? We typically say thank you. Um, uh, and then, as I mentioned, of course, we haven't been in person for a while, and I'm, I'm excited to go back, but we have typically a, an end of semester ceremony where we honor the cadavers and students write notes to them. They might read a poem. Um, they say why they're grateful or that they're grateful. So I, I appreciate that. And usually we have food. So sometimes we have pizza. <laughs> Um, so we use, we typically have two or three cadavers in the course of a year. So we use them, um, even though we have a lot of students, um, we use our cadavers well, and we're lucky. We really are. Um, people are still donating their bodies. Um, and so we, we can keep them for a long time. They preserve well. So we can keep them for actually quite a while. Well, maybe we'll um, wrap up in just a couple more minutes. If there's still something burning you'd like to ask, and some people have been very, you know, comfortable asking and writing down, some might be less so, and if there's any that are less comfortable but really do have something you want to ask, um, please, please speak or write a note. Yeah, I'm... For you guys, I'm willing to answer anything. So um, the neurons in the stomach are the same as in the brain. I mean, they're going to look very similar. I, I, I'm sorry I didn't answer that question before I saw it. Um, it is very engrossing. I'm so glad you feel that way. I think it's just, I feel so lucky to be able to teach, you know, students and to talk about this every day. Um, so I'm very, yeah, I love this stuff. Yeah, we so much appreciate both, um, both of you, Robin Tufu, with, you know, your love and, you know, the, the reverence and the mystery of this body. So it's very, um, yeah, if there's ever a safe space to go into anatomy lab, going with those two is the best. So I hope one day we, we all can can be there in person yeah yeah well I want to honor our time and and um, so I want to just say a huge and big thank you for your time that you gave to us in preparation of a PowerPoint and thank goodness the internet spirits uh, cooperated Finn and you could stay online and um, yeah, I'm seeing a few people saying they're donating their body to science now. So this is a very wonderful 
and um, maybe we'll just sit for another minute or two just to take it all in. I'm seeing so many people writing appreciation in the chats. Thank you. So we'll just sit for a few moments. So I'll just end with, I actually might have read this a week or two ago, but it just feels like the right reading for tonight. And it's from Mary Oliver, and it's about the body. And she says, bless the fingers, for they are as darting as fire. Bless the little hairs of the body, for they are softer than grass. Bless the hips, for they are cunning beyond all machinery. Bless the mouth, for it is the describer. Bless the tongue, for it is the maker of words. Bless the eyes, for they are the gift of the angels, for they tell the truth. Bless the shoulders, for they are strength and shelter. Bless the thumb, for when working it has a godly grip. Bless the feet, for their knuckles and their modesty. And bless the spine, for it is the whole story. Thank you, Robin and Dufu, so very much, and thank you all for coming for this um, special class of the 32 with the anatomy. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome to unmute and. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob and Dufu. Thank you, Robin. Wonderful. Robin, yes. Thank you. That was wonderful. Robin, Dufu, wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from Austria. Thank you. Thank you. From Austria, from Beijing, and Shanghai, and all over the United States. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, Jade. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Bob. Thanks for letting us come. Oh, thank you. This is just really just amazing and wonderful. Right. Yeah. And I like the baseball hat you got on your, your skeleton <laughs> over your left shoulder. <laughs>
One has to have some joy, right? That's right. Well, much love and good health. Thank you so much. Good health. And thank you. Thank you, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Bye, we'll, now. we'll be in touch. Yes, we'll be in touch. Bye, okay. Bob. Bye, all of you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.